podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David Gagan, the Carabao Cup champions are here. The champions of Carabao. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> the, 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 you know what? I was saying this in the Carabao car pod. Bloody yeah, it's a mouthful. The Carabao car pod. That, this felt a bit more special than a normal Carabao pod. Sorry, about Carabao cup windows. Do you get what mm. I mean? It, it, just, it just felt a bit more special. I don't know why. Is it probably because we didn't get to celebrate the league? It's probably that, right? I think it's that. I, I do think it's 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 a couple of things. It's that for sure. It's the fact that after all that went on last year with all the injuries and the doubt over Virgil with his knee and what he was going to look like and the fact that, you know, this is a competition that matters to our club probably more than others because we'd long been the record holders. City had gotten on even terms with us, and now we've gone ahead of them. There's a lot of things that play into it. And I think as well, just some of the special stories about, like, you know, with, with Queeving Kelleher. Like, what a great story that is. But what a performance by him on the day. And Klopp saying afterwards that when he told Alisson that he was going to start Kelleher, Alisson's first reaction was brilliant. If we win, he can go on the wall. That's the type of thing that this club is about. I agree. I was actually quite moved when uh, I, I heard that Alison's response was, oh, great, now we can get another goalie on the wall. I was like, what the hell? You know, like the team, the team ethic, the, 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 it just the first thing in his mind is not I'm missing out, but, you know, another kid is going to get mm. to do this. And, and I said this in the pod with um, Sanjeev Baskar last week, uh, that playing Kelleher is, is a smart move because... The kid's good enough to go play from another Premier League club. Yeah. And as Klopp praised him and said he's the best number two in the world, which is a fair shout, really. He said, basically, I mean, his choice of playing him cements him as staying, if that makes sense. If they were offered yes. him a contract, he's now tasted that success. He now knows that at the end of the day, if anything happens to Alison Klopp, trust me. And my team, trust me. And he's had that moment. When you've had these moments, like, it's also the same for Naby Keita because Naby Keita's been, th- been here, won the league, won the Champions League. But was he really, did he probably really feel a part of it? No. That day was massive for Naby as well because he actually get to, got to feel part of something as a celebration that he knew he was definitely a part of. And That's you know, the thing. I think, I think that's a big factor in it. Like, you mentioned Naby and his whole injury issue started in the Champions League semi-final that year in 1819 when he got hurt at the new Camp, that horrendous tackle by 
Rakitic that probably should have been uh, a serious card. But Naby had played part in the Champions League run till then, and then that was him gone for the season. Then last the, the, the next season, then in the Premier League, he only played I think eighteen games or whatever. He had multiple injuries. Last season, he barely played. He had multiple injuries. This season, he's having a good season. And this was sort of a reward for it. And and I love the fact that Virgil, in his post-match interview, made a point of focusing on Naby and made a point of saying, look, this guy was brought into the team with 15 minutes notice and then was outstanding. And he was. I completely missed that. Naby was really good. Naby was really, really good. That is a huge coming from the alpha male yeah. in the in the in the squad. And when someone praised you like that, and you could literally see in the post match celebrations as well, Naby was very happy mm. about you know really part of it. And at the end of the day, it's not just about him; it's about every player that got to feel that. And um, Harvey Elliott's another one who probably has the biggest balls of an 18-year-old yeah. you're ever going to find. And we might as well talk about those those good bits in the penalties, mate, because we had 11 players. And well, we may, before we do that, I, I want to hear about your day leading up to it, because you were at the game. So talk me through your day from morning until kickoff, including yeah, I, when you got the news about Thiago not being in the team. You were in the stadium when that when that news broke. So talk me through your day up until kickoff. So I've already done a lot of that on the car pod, if you want to go and listen to that. But I'm not quick, listening back to anything. Quick, I'm talking to you now, and summary. I want to know about it now. You're talking to me. Forget everybody else. <laughs> I don't care what you said with Harinder yeah, and Yeah, but Cam, people, people those, are going to be Those heathens who, who didn't... All I asked, lads, all I asked was a small request, and you let me down, and I haven't forgotten. What was the request? To keep you out the stadium. <laughs> well, it turns out it was all good in the end. But, um, no, don't think the up. jinx is lifted. Go shut on up. anyway. So, anyway, so firstly, yeah, drove down, picked up Cam from um, where he was in London, drove over to Hillingdon Station, parked up, walked up to um, the restaurant that Harinder had booked for everybody. And uh, met Eddie and Greg outside. The first time I've ever met Greg as well. So it was great. Great to see Eddie again. That's the fourth city I've met Eddie in now. None of them in our home cities. I think that's Alicante, uh, Madrid, Kiev, and now uh, London, Wembley. <laughs> We're in Wembley. So that's that's quite funny. That's the only places I've met Eddie. But, Have you ever um, met him at Anfield? No, never. Never met him at Anfield. We've never been at the same game, I don't think. No. So that's that's quite funny. And um, we would have if that May thing that we'd set up had happened before lockdown. Remember when we had to do it online in the end, mm. that party that we'd set up? That would have been really good. But um, yeah, so then we ate. We had a good laugh. We walked over to um, the stadium and then someone tried to, um, a cockney twat, tried to pick a fight with, with Baji and uh, pulled him back from his scarf and said he was going to knock him out. And uh, Paji was just like, what? Are you are you being stupid? And he was just drunk. And Cam's standing next to him and he's like, mate, I'll just blow, I'll just, you know, puff of air on you and you're down. And I think the guy didn't see Greg either. Because yeah. if Greg had walked over, he'd lift, literally lifted him up with a finger and just chucked him in the street. But yeah, he was drunk and he was just being an idiot. He was calling him, a, he was calling her interest, cow's twat or something. 
<laughs> so funny. It's like, what? Scast? How does he look scast to you? <laughs> you idiot. But, um, yeah, just tells you everything about Chelsea fans, eh? And um, the, the massive twat. And then we, uh, yeah, we just walked to the stadium, met all of our cousins, met some... Um, what the hell is this guy doing in the chat? Sorry, disturbing me. You are getting, first and foremost, getting banned, my man. Oh, he's already left. That is a bit, no. Ban. See you later, twat. Right, he's gone. So, sorry about that. Somebody in the Discord server is trying to mess up our recording. So, he's gone. Anyway, where was I? So, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, we met some. We met cousins. We met some colleagues from work, and then we got inside. Uh, my cousin wanted a pint, so we were in the long queues waiting for a premium pint and stuff. And then Patrick from Discord and from Twitter uh, DM'd me and said and sent me a, a link of uh, the the club announcing that Thiago had got injured. And I swear to God. Up until that point, I was saying to everyone, we're going to smash these wankers 4-0, 3-0, 4-0. I was just literally telling everyone that we were going to hammer them. And at that point, I just went, oh my God. Like, how has this happened? You know what I mean? Why? Why today of all, of all days? But I think, Dave, he ended up being very smart, Thiago, because imagine if he decided to play on, like some mm. players selfishly would, yeah? Some players selfishly would say, you know what, I'm not giving up a spot. I'll waste a sub, but I won't do it. Especially with five subs as well. But what did he do? He he literally gave it up and said no. But he also looked after himself because that could have ended up being a grade three season over if he didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you have to credit Thiago. I know a lot of people I know is like, oh, he's made a glass water twat. And I was like, are you lot for fucking real, you dickhead? Shut up. But the reality is he actually did great by giving up his spot. On the day, a lot of players wouldn't. Lesser men would have, like Harry Kuehl, would have played on. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing and is, if he, if he plays, almost. let's say he plays and has to come off after 10 minutes. And then let's say we get the same 75 minutes out of Naby that we got out of him. There's still five minutes left in the game. And you don't have Harvey Elliott to bring on because he's not on the bench. Because without Thiago stepping out, Harvey's not on the bench. So you don't have that sub to bring on. And you also don't have that penalty taker. Yeah. So in the end, the, the knock-on effect is that it works out very well because Harvey comes into the match day squad. And like you said, the absolute testicles on that kid. Like, first and foremost, I've seen him get a lot of criticism for the incident with Havertz. I loved it. I loved that he was the first one there to defend his teammate. Absolutely love that. And the fact that it kind of sparked a little bit of a row, I think that kind of gave us a second wind as well because we were starting to flag a little bit at that point and that kind of re-energized everybody. I especially like Milner coming over, grabbing Harvey, walking him away from it and then walking back in to tell uh, Antonio Rudiger that he was only a twat. That I liked. I thought that was very Not only good. that, did you see what VV did to VVD did to Rudiger? <laughs> he literally walked over to him, tapped him three times. Rudiger looked at him and walked off and stopped yeah. fighting. Because the I real Alpha's the respect, is in the room. 
Rudiger, respect, Rudiger the thinks he's the big DVD man. The gets though, mate. It's unreal. Yeah. Like it, he doesn't shout or scream at anyone. He just yeah. walks over and goes, "Yo, just chill but out." But even in the first half, when there was the the Naby and Mason Mount coming together, when Naby was screening the ball and Mount fell down on the floor crying about something, and all the players start bustling round, and Virgil's trying to talk the referee. And Rudiger keeps pushing him. And Van Dijk is acting like he's not even there. He doesn't look at him. He doesn't engage with him. He doesn't even recognize that Antonio Rudiger, who looks small next to Virgil, is pushing him. And then Fabinho puts his arm up. Rudiger slaps it down. Fab said something to Rudiger and smiled at him. And Rudiger just calmed straight away. Like, that fellow, like, uh, Ali's just said it. He's the small dog with the loud bark. That's <laughs> it. That. He's a all true, dog and a, he's all barking a, 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 a no bite. <laughs> yeah. He's all bite and no bark. Or all bark and no bite, rather. There's, there's, he, he's, he's just one of them. Like, he, he's, he's big and he's boisterous, but he's the type who'll run away if, if a bigger boy comes along. And when Virgil comes along, most of them tend to run away because that's just who he is. But I think going back to setting the scene here, that Thiago injury allows someone like Elliot to come in and make mm. another story. It makes the Naby story for one that he gets to experience that such a great day and make him feel part of the squad even more than than ever before. And that's really good for him. And maybe he goes on a couple of levels. Um, winning helps people. It, it it makes them feel just a different. You know, when you succeed at something. Your confidence goes through the roof. You you lose any kind of inhibition, and the wonders it can do for for players as well, especially that are going through a rough time, like Naby has done over the years. Mm. It could be amazing. Then you just mentioned the Elliot thing, which is even bigger, because Elliot has the pressure of the world on him at that point when he's taking that penalty. Every single outfield player up to you know in the penalty shootout was successful, and even up to that point, obviously they would be. If that because that happened, that's the pressure you've got. Everyone has scored. Nobody has missed. <laughs> you've got an eighteen-year-old kid coming in and just—I mean—sends the sends the dickhead the wrong way because that's all mm. I can call him is a dickhead because he he thought he was Charlie Big Bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And that's when you're Charlie part. Big Bollocks, you got to back it up. And there that's was the no Bollocks part. on Charlie uh, for this penalty shootout, unfortunately. <laughs> But, like, what, what I love is he comes on, he's the penalty expert. Like, he, he's the guy, they're bringing him on for the penalty shootout. And he comes on, and he tries his mind games. And the first person he tries with is James Milner, who doesn't even look at him. Milner's just completely focused. He's looking straight through Kepa, and he's just focused on where the ball is going. And then he tries it on Fab. And Fab steps up and does a Penenka and embarrasses him. And then he does what he does with Virgil, which is he stands like three quarters of the way across the goal and dares him to put it in the opposite side. Like gives him three quarters of the goal and says, go on, you put it over there. And Virgil just goes, no, no, absolutely not. I've decided I'm putting it where you're standing. And if you want to stand in the way, fair enough. Virgil took two strides 
and blasted the ball by him. Mate, it's the best penalty I've ever seen. It's the most alpha moment you'll ever see because yeah. if you look at everybody's focused on Virgil staring at him and it's it's brilliant. Like when Virgil stares at him, he's stealing Kepa's soul. But there's a <laughs> there's a shot going round of Kepa after he dives, turning to look at Virgil, and there's this look of oh my god, what the fuck on his face. Like he is horrified at the fact that this enormous human has just thumped the ball between him and the post. There's about two metres there. And he got nowhere close to it. And then he keeps on, he's less cocky with his, his nonsense from there. And then Harvey steps up. And he starts pointing to one side when Harvey's stepping up. As if to say, like, I'm going that way. And then he goes the other way and Harvey just puts it back the direction he's, he's been pointing. And then obviously everybody else scores, all 11 of our lads, including Queeving Kelleher, who it should be mentioned, that's a hell of a penalty. Yeah, like, you he set off from himself. You can tell he's, he's an outfield player. When he's exactly. You can tell he played GAA as well, though. Like, he's got really, he's obviously got really good hands, he's got really good feet, and a lot of that comes from playing GAA. But, the confidence he had to step up and strike the ball like that. And then you get Kepa's penalty. And I mean, if Kelleher had saved it, it wouldn't have been as funny. But that is, it's, that's what it is. You're exactly right. It's a goal kick. It's not a penalty kick. Because here's the difference, right? Kepa has only ever been a goalkeeper. So Kepa's only used to clearing the ball. Because the knock on Kepa has always been, he's not great with his feet. There's other knocks on him as well, but... Prior to him joining Chelsea, one of the things that was holding him back from the national team setup was he's not great with his feet. He gets a little bit panicked with his feet. So all he's used to doing is clearing the ball, whereas Cuivin was an outfield player and played Gaelic football, so he's used to passing and shooting. So Cuivin steps up and he takes a penalty kick and shoots on goal. Pepper steps up and takes a goal kick and doesn't just clear the goal... He clears about the first 60 rows of the fans. There's a shot from the corner flag of the of the, the Liverpool end. And you hear the whistle. You see everybody jump up. And the ball's and still then going. the ball appears. And just sails back. Like, the guy who got it, I saw him on Twitter. He said he was in, like, the 60th or something row. Like, he's way back. Oh, it's a truly special Mate, effort I, by Kevin. I, I think you could tell that the crowd got to him as well. And also, imagine, so if the pressure on Elliot was big, the pressure on Kepa after um, Big Kev scores is humongous, by the way. And I, nobody said it, but it should be said. The pressure is unreal. And when you need balls, like I said, Charlie Big Bollocks had no bollocks. Yeah. They dropped. They were gone, and he, he just he just lost all all of that um, confidence that he had. We destroyed. I put it on Twitter yesterday. Liverpool humiliated Kepper in yeah. that in those eleven penalties. Probably the first time an English team has scored eleven penalties in a row in a final. Right? I know we've done it in in lead ups, but in a final, I don't think an English team has been that successful where every single player scored a penalty. And the opposition goalkeeper kept on standing in their face on purpose. Mm. Like, being there in the stadium, I think Harinda would, would agree he's listening. We were fuming. 
literally fuming at his antics. Like, but I, I don't know why the ref didn't book him after the second one. I know. Like, get yourself back in your line and fuck off. Like, if he if he doesn't stop doing it, book him and force him to just stand in his goal. But like, he was doing all these other things as well. Like, every time we'd score a penalty, he'd pick the ball up, he'd go and he'd stand, he'd wait for his mate to come down, and then he'd like lob it up in the air to them as if like, you know, it was all part of him getting in the right headspace. And all he did was make himself look like a tit. And the fact is, we took 11 penalties. 10 of them, he never got anywhere close to. Like, never got anywhere close to them. The only one he got close to was the Canate one. And if you were to look at that Liverpool team and say, who could miss here? Ibu would be the one because he's a centre-back who's come on just for the extra time, isn't exactly the most subtle of players at times. He was the one you might say he might miss. But everyone else you were looking at and you were thinking, right, Milner, you knew Milner was going to score. You knew Fab would score. You knew Virgil would score. You knew Trent would score. And you knew Mo would score. So that was fine. You weren't doubting Jota. You weren't doubting Robbo. You weren't doubting Harvey. You weren't doubting Divock. Because Divock's not missing in a big game. He's, he's big game Divock. Like, this is what he does. The only one you were going to have doubts, other than the goalkeeper, was Kanate. And that's the only one he got close to. Everyone else embarrassed him. Most of them sent him the wrong way. Like, he was flailing around on the ground, and our lads were just tapping them down the middle of the goal. There's three or four penalties go right down the middle of the goal, and he's off sailing to one side, like. Exactly. It was it was hilarious. And uh, my point being, it's it's the most humiliating experience for him, especially after his penalty miss. That's the beautiful thing of mm. the whole final is Kepa, is the ending. And, and to be the specialist, bro, aren't they? That's it. Mendy was superb, apart from <laughs> one clearance. One clearance yeah. that he sent straight to us and Mo should have scored, to be fair. Yeah. Apart from that, he was flawless, actually. He was mm. unbelievable in that game. Him and Big Kev made some superb saves. And to be fair, Mendy made, you know, bigger bigger and um, uh, world-class ones, didn't he? From Mane and things like that. I, I mean, that was... I would say that Kelleher's save from Pulisic is as good as... Oh, yes, of course. Point as anything. Like, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. The, the one from Mane. But I think that's more a bad miss by Sadio than a great save. Like, all Mendy does is put himself in a position where the ball might hit him. Sadio should be lifting that over him. It's similar to the Dudek save in Istanbul. Like, it's a, it's an incredible save, but it's a terrible miss. Whereas Pulisic does absolutely everything right. But Kelleher's reflexes, like, a lot of people are like, oh, it just hit him. No, it didn't. Like, there's a distinctive movement of his arm to stop that ball going in. It's an incredible save. He makes the great save as well from Lukaku with his feet after yep. Trent switches off good. a little bit. Right at, right at the end as well, like where you were kind of like, right, it's, it's going to extra time here. And he makes that save. Um, his handling was great throughout. It would have been harsh on Mendy if we'd scored from, from that poor, go, uh, poor clearance. Because he had been so good, to be fair to him. that's fine lines though, Dave. You make that's one it. mistake in a final and you're done. And that's the difference that's between the thing. Kev. That would be the difference between Kev and him. 
is that Kev didn't make a mistake. And and, and that's exactly. because Ali's been making a few mistakes in terms of getting caught on dawdling on the ball and stuff. But you don't get that problem with Kev, do you? He's, no, but in so fairness, Ali, Ali would have saved probably three of their penalties. True. Like their penalties were not as well struck as ours. No. Their their penalties, it was just that Kelleher kept going really early. Yeah, he was going too early. He was going Maybe far too early. There was still two of them he should have saved. One of them was the Werner one. I can't remember who the other one was. But there was two of them he definitely should have saved. And I think Ali, because in fairness, Ali would have stood up for Jorginho. He would have waited. He would have done what Pickford did at the Euros. And and you were begging. You were begging Keller to do it. Just wait. Wait until he lands from the hop and the skip. Yeah, because he can't generate any power. No, he can't generate power. That's what Pickford, it's all Pickford did, was just wait and wait and wait. And as he landed, there's there's a picture from behind the goal of, Jorginho as he's about to strike the ball and it's an oh shit moment in the in the Euro <laughs> final and that's what you were looking for Keller to do but look it, it doesn't matter that he didn't save them because no. he, he stepped up and he scored his penalty and we went on to win but it's afterwards you start looking at that Chelsea team and you start thinking you know their, their fans are obviously a very unlikable bunch their owner is a very unlikable chap mm. and you start looking at the players and you like, well, there's an awful lot of twats in that team like Rudiger's a twat Proper. Trevo Chalaba has shown himself as a twat in the days since the game, crying on social media. What was I, have get, I have to get stitches. The referee is right there. I don't understand. Sorry, but it was a fifty-fifty ball yeah, where you both went in with a high foot. Your and leg is just longer than his. That's did all it, it is. To get the ball first, though. I don't know. Maybe he did, and he pushed it onto Chalaba's foot, but. They're both dangerous. And Chalaba has studs up. Naby's foot, if you watch it, Naby's foot, the studs are pointing down. Chalaba's are way out there. So they were just as bad as each other. Um, he's a twat. Aspilicueta is a twat. Marcus Alonso's a twat. Jorginho's a twat. Mason Mount, I don't know whether he's a twat or not, but that hair is twatish. Reese James um, looks like a twat. Now, and Reese James, James. Now here's the here's the dickhead I wanted to focus on, right? Obviously, Kep is a twat as well. We know that. Reese James, to get mugged off the way you did by Luis Diaz with that little flick over your head, you should have gone into the stands, hugged your mother, and asked her to bring you home because you'd had a, a stressful day. <laughs> and yet you want to stand up and, and do shush. At the stand, should, what are you doing? You're, you're at best, you're England's third best right back. Who are you? You're England's third best right back, son. Settle down. Did you settle down? Luis Diaz has embarrassed you. Just because you scored a penalty doesn't mean you get to shush people. We're going to get to Luis Diaz because um, he's definitely the star of the day for me. Um, I mean, well, one of the stars. But in the 90 minutes that he played, or was it no? Was it a lot more? Did he come off extra time? He did. He has yeah. come off an extra time, yeah. But anyway, uh, before we move on, just final words and those and those pens um, and those Chelsea players. They were booing. They were bo- they were shushing the fans, mm. so they deserved all that shit they got. And um, final last word on on Virgil. Again, oh, sorry, we didn't talk about Fab. Fab's penalty. Oh, it's unbelievable. Again, the testicles needed to do that. (laughs) My God. Unbelievable. 
Especially I, I did when have... the are standing in your face like that. Like, yeah. I want to talk about the order, Dave. The order was really good because yeah. they went Milner first, which is one thing that helped us was having three regular penalty takers in terms of mm. um, Milner, Fab, and um, Mo. Yeah. And then yeah. the two best strikers of a ball, probably. That's at the it. Club, with, and the two most Virgin. confident players as well. Yeah. Virgin like, and, and TAA. The, the, the thing is. Yeah, uh, Sam's point out there, Neuro 11, who are the the kind of mental strength trainers that we've brought in and they've been working with us on set pieces, which obviously we've seen a reflection on this season with the amount of set piece goals we scored. They apparently picked the order, which it goes to show like they did really go for like Milner, very calm head, not going to get flustered, 36 years of age. He's been there. He's done it pretty much all. He's not getting flustered. And he's a regular penalty taker. Fab, regular penalty taker. Very calm person. Not going to get flustered. Then you get Virgil, you get Trent. The two most confident players, maybe in world football. Two guys that just know they are absolute dons. And then Salah, a regular penalty taker, stepping up to take take the fifth one. Whereas with them, you didn't feel all that confident in their order as you looked at it. Like... Alonso, he's a good striker of the ball. It's hard to read him, but like you wouldn't always have confidence in someone like him. You wouldn't have confidence in Romelu Lukaku. You know, Jorginho has missed a couple of penalties. His technique is is good, but it is flawed in that if the keeper doesn't go early, and Bruno's exactly the same because he stole the technique from Bruno, if the keeper doesn't go early, you're a little bit fucked. Now, Bruno can generate more power than than Jorginho can. But either way, if the keeper just stays standing, they give themselves a massive chance. But I have to say, the one Chelsea penalty that I did want scored was N'Golo Kante. I just couldn't bring myself to want the poor fella to miss because he's just, like, he's obviously an incredible player. I really like Mendy and Kante. Yeah, Mendy and Kante. That's the thing. So with Mendy, you were happy he was gone off, so the loss isn't on him because he was brilliant. And with Kante, like, first first things first, Naby Keita marked him out of the game. Absolutely marked him out of the game. Kante's normally against us like a knife through butter cutting through that midfield and, and bringing the ball forward. Naby didn't allow it at all. And Naby was able to control the game, keep Kante off the ball, which was really, really impressive. And, and it's not been talked about. The Echo gave Naby 6 out of 10. The Echo readers voted him our worst player. Dumbasses, like absolute dumbasses. But Kante, you wanted Kante to score because he just seems like such a nice guy. Like he seems like the most humble, down to earth. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd probably be working at my local mosque kind of guy. Like there's nothing braggadocious about him. There's nothing extravagant about him. He just is a normal guy who just happens to be incredibly gifted. And you didn't want him to miss. So that's that's just an aside. But the rest of them, such a bunch of twats. Can't, can't disagree, mate. I can't disagree. <laughs> um, they, yeah, it was just beautiful. And they deserve it. Completely deserve it. Um, <clears throat> if we move... So the order, the neuro... Like I said, that order was... was um, that's an unbelievable... If that is picked by them... That is worth its weight in gold, man. That is mm. absolutely unbelievable. And 
Perfect. Oh, right, there's a tweet. New, uh, Jürgen Klopp says, Neuro 11, uh, set-piece specialist we bought in the summer, decided the penalty order. They have been practising with our players for weeks before the... Well, you could bloody tell. You could yeah. bloody tell. I don't doubt you, Sam. Sam McGuire, I don't doubt you, but it's good to uh, read the tweet as well. But yeah, and then you've got um, the rest of the 11 as well. Just perfectly done. So, mm. so, by the way, we didn't talk Konate. Very happy that he scored because that was the one that we could have missed. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one you were kind of a little bit doubtful. But, but credit to the guy, and I said this on the Daily Red today, you have to give him credit because he came in on 90, like for the extra time, into a frenetic game up against Lukaku, who, fair enough, is not having the best season. But he's still fucking Romelu Lukaku. He's still one of the best number nines in the world. And I thought Kanate handled him brilliantly. Now, I know he got the, the goal that was ruled offside, but it was offside. Exactly. Like, there's no controversy there. It's just offside. Chelsea fans can cry about it all they want. As Sam said yesterday on Twitter, the only controversial decision in that game, it wasn't the red card, it wasn't any of the offsides. The only controversial decision is the Matip goal. And for all the Chelsea fans screaming about how they hate VAR, the linesman flagged them all offside as well, but nobody flagged on the Matip one, and not one Chelsea player complained. Like, you go back and watch, Rhys James doesn't complain a bit about what Virgil does on that goal. That was them looking for a reason to disallow the goal. That's why it took so long. They were looking for a reason to disallow the goal. Yeah. It's just... It's just stupid absolutely stupid uh it was never it should never have been disallowed i watched it back i don't think it, there's any sense in that a little bit like what was going on on, on saturday with um, everton and man city var really having a mare at times and change i mean the whole game changes there doesn't it absolutely they are i think chelsea get battered from there because they'll just go out at all out attack that's what tommy does tommy has to then throw you know uh Caution to the wind, and I think we'd pick him off, especially with Diaz on the pitch. We'd we'd pick him off, and that that brings in Luis Diaz because I said this earlier in a chat. The guy now is becoming a, a morph of um, Luis Suarez, Mo Salah, and and Ronaldinho because he's got so many no look passes. He's bringing the ball out of the air like Mo with his feet. He's bringing the ball off out of the air on his chest like Suarez. I mean, Dave, he is an arse off seat player. That's yeah. the only way I can I can say he's I, I just am so excited to watch him. I look forward to every game, every minute, every second he's on the pitch at the moment because there were signs that him and VVD were, were oh, a building, yeah. a building mm. a link up because there was two, one on his foot, one on his chest. Oh. That one on his foot hasn't been talked about enough, Gags. He is running full tilt with a man beside him. That ball drops over his shoulder and he kills it dead, stone dead. It's incredible, the technique. And the one on his chest is phenomenal. But listen, I told you all this was going, this was what he was going to be. I said, this guy is a cross between Sadio and Suarez. And that's exactly what he is. He's got Sadio's directness, Sadio's pace, Sadio's bastard. And he's got that Suarez level technique, that Suarez level desire to embarrass opponents, not just beat them but embarrass them. He doesn't want to just ruin their day. He wants to fuck up their whole weeks. 
he wants to leave them reminded that Luis Diaz did this to you because yeah. that Mason Mount clip that's going to be played forever because it's so outrageous. The one against Leeds where he flicked it over two or three different people's head and then played the no look to Thiago. That type of stuff is going to get played and played and played. But that guy had Chalaba terrified. From from minute one, Chalaba was terrified. And Aspilicueta was there to play as a wing back and he didn't. He played as an out and out full back because they had to have both of them properly deep to try and deal with Diaz. Every time Diaz got the ball one-on-one against either of them, it was over. They had to get both of them back every single time to try and stop him. And even then they couldn't do it. This is a really special player. Really, really special. And we obviously hit big on Salah and Mane. They became, at different points, the best player in the Premier League. Salah, that first season he was with us, and again this season, Mane in the title-winning season was the best player in the league. I don't care who won Football of the Year. I don't care about your media campaigns. I don't care. Sadio Mane was our best player and thus the best player in the league that year. Luis Diaz has the ability and the drive to get to that level, to be one of the very best players on the planet. And for a club in the space of, what, five and a half years to find three of them? Yeah. That is incredible. And I know we all love Jota. Jota isn't that level. He's like a level or two below. He he won't be world. He'd be a world-class finisher, but he won't be a world-class all-round player. Diaz will be a world-class player. And what we thought was a guy being signed as, you know, a bit of extra depth this year and next season he'll be a starter. No, no, no. This guy is the starter now. That yes. left-sided role is his. Jota, though, he seemed to take in the Bobby role nicely. And now he, oh, won't yeah, have the, for sure. he won't have the panache, right? He won't have but Bobby the was never world-class either, gangs. No, he won't have the silk of Bobby either in terms of, you know, the all the all the silky skills he would do and all that. He's a bit more direct than Bob. He can carry the ball better than Bob. But he's, and also, a bit more of a fox in the box. Mm. Bob. So there's a few things that Josh is doing much better, putting that ball in the back of the net. But the heading ability is there. Oh, the heading so, ability. So, 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 um, yeah, Jota is is great too. Let me, let's not let's not be wrong. But now, but, like, Jota can play all across the front line. Sadio can play all across the front line, and we've got Bobby, and we've got Tacky, and obviously Divock probably leaves in the summer. But even at that, you're still in a really strong position now. Obviously. A lot will depend on what happens with Sadio in the summer, with his contract, etc., etc. The same goes for Bobby. But you've got to be really excited about this front group. Like Diaz is is the jolt in the like last year we got that jolt in the arm from Jota, and it was a really big thing, mm. and it it really gave us like we had four for three positions. Diaz now gives us five legitimately high end starters. And look, you can argue that, you know, Bobby's fallen off and all that kind of stuff. You can argue whatever you want, but Bobby can still, as a spot starter, give you a quality 75 minutes. Off the bench, he's a great option to have. And the same goes for Jota off the bench or as a starter, Mane off the bench or as a starter. And now, like I would say, Diaz, and it's going to be, I think, Mane or Jota battling for that middle role for the rest of the season, with both of them obviously getting some starts here and there. 
But we never need to play Alex Oxley Chamberlain in the front three again. No. Do you know what Even, I mean? We're, we're not going to be in that situation. Well. Elliot would be an option. Elliot's an option. Kate Gordon's an option. Yeah, there'd be options before Ox now, surely. And I think more what you're saying with the front five, if we go on to win, you know, like one of the big two, I'm not, you know, if we go on to win one of the big two, so the, the CL or the PL, that I think there'll be enough in the coffers there to then say, right, we can keep you guys for another couple of years each, you know, rather than the big long-term contracts. Because then what you can do is you still got that sale. You can still sell them after a year or so. You give them a couple of years on top of what they got. And then it's See, a three-year contract. And it's, it's, it's basically right. You've got two years left for selling you. So you get one more year out whilst you get... But you're, you you're, know, you're, you're, you're not going to get much for Bobby at 33. I oh, don't yeah, think we get much for Bobby more. now. No. Because Bobby is a very He's strange player. Back. It's not even that. It's just like... Look around Europe and find me the club where Bobby fits. Yeah. Do you know, like, the clubs where Bobby would fit are clubs that don't really have the kind of money that makes it worthwhile selling Bobby. Like, Leeds, for example, under Jesse Marsh, Bobby would be a great fit there now. But Leeds aren't going to give us £30 for Bobby, the kind of money it would take to go and buy an Amin Guri or somebody to come in and replace him. If one is to leave, it's it's in all likelihood Sadio, because you'd probably still get... 50, 55 million for Sadio. And that gets you an Nkunku to replace him or it goes a long way towards getting you a Joe Felix to replace him or something along those lines. But if they're both happy to stay, keep them. Like, keep them. Give them contracts for three more years. I, we don't care. Like, you've given Jordan Henderson a contract till he's 35 and he's he's washed as it is. Mane, and, Mane, Mane might deplete a little bit, but he'll, he's a great option, mate. But Mane is, Mane is different, though. Mane already has started to adapt his game. Now, Sam would have to tell us if it's still the case, but I remember about two months ago, Sam putting out some data on, on, on Sadio and how like his link, underlying his numbers have not dropped. Better. His link-up's good as well. That's the thing. Better, better, better and he's better, only better. learning this new role. This is a different role, but why can't Sadio become our new Bobby? Like, there's no reason for me. There you go. Like, his numbers are even better than ever. So, like, he's not the player he was in that he doesn't have maybe that burst anymore. He's not as electric anymore. But he's becoming a more efficient player. And when you hear stories like he's just hired his own personal physio to come and live at his gaff because he wants to be able to take care of his body, like, you know how much the term model pro and standard setter and all that horseshit that gets thrown around towards average players because there's nothing to talk about in terms of their footballing ability. That annoys the life out of me. But Sadio Mane is a model pro. Mo Salah is a model pro. When Kate Gordon was talking about being integrated into the first team, what did he talk about? Going to the gym with Salah and Mane and the level that they hold themselves to. Like, they're the standard setters. Virgil's the standard setter. Thiago's a standard setter. These are the guys that we should be looking at and thinking, this is the culture we want. World-class players who maintain that incredibly high level. World-class players who demand the very best. Not average players who demand whatever it is they demand. The, the elite of the elite. And Sadio, while maybe not the level he was, is still a top-end player. And if he wants three more years after next season, give him the fucking contract. You've got the money. The, the, uh, there's no argument made that the money's not there. 
No, no, there's no, money not after, pouring into the club. Yeah, not after a five million loss over a year where you had no fans. Yeah, exactly. Now, now there's no argument. There's Arsenal's no argument. loss is a hundred million. <laughs> Yours is five. They're out throwing money around like it's a, they're at a strip club. So you know, I don't, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Like they're like young fellas who found their dad's stash of fucking. Five pound notes and have headed off to like string fellows or wherever the fuck you have to know. I'm old, I don't go anymore. But like, oh, they, that's God. that's what this is. Like, Sadio, given what he's done for the club, given the level he's still playing at, clearly is warranting of a new deal. The same thing goes for, for Bobby. Like, Bobby has been so important to this team. Like, Bobby is the one that when Klopp took over, he built the attack around Bobby Firmino. Hmm. He didn't build it around he anyone else. He Bobby so much. Yeah. I mean, So if Bobby wants a deal, give Bobby a deal. Maybe give Bobby two more years on top of next year. Maybe give Sadio three. And then you give Mo four more years. Because I don't think Mo... I, I was listening to your pod about Mo on the drive down to, um, to London. Um, all the Jinx ones. And the... Um, <laughs> And the, and the Mo one, you went, you, you had about twenty minutes on Mo. Yeah. I I think there's one simple explanation with Mo, and in in fact, it's more of a observation. If you look as happy as that playing for a club, there's no way you're at loggerheads over a contract. When you're in this kind of form as well, the way you're playing, and over the last couple of weeks, there was a couple of performances where he just blew the roof off of the stadium. There's no way. That that is a player that is arguing about something at the club or upset. It's a timing thing. It'll happen when it's going to happen. It's probably the summer because something's going down. Because Milner's going to leave and that money becomes available. This dude came back from AFCON having been run into the ground by Carlos Quiros, who, by the way, is a footballing dinosaur. Ran (laughs) him into the ground had to play, what, three extra-time matches or four extra-time matches over there? In a week and a half, yes. And then he came back and wanted to play for us two days later. That's not a fella who's in any way upset or unhappy. No, it's not. I don't care what anyone wants to spread negativity about. Who's the story's concept? Think about this, right? His agent, every now and then, puts out a little cryptic tweet it's just Do you not think reaction? he's doing that? Yeah, exactly. He's only doing it to take the piss because yeah. he knows how much it winds people up. Like, and every time Salah has been asked, what's he said? It's with the club. It's with the club. They know what I want. That's it. Yeah, which it's means simple. it's... I, I genuinely, genuinely, not just saying this, I genuinely believe that the Salah contract is agreed. We heard, Gags, we both heard, and Eddie heard, in what October, November, that the contract was agreed in principle. Yeah, and there's no change on that. So, and there's no change on that. There's no, been no the word point... in, in, to the negative. So, my general feeling on it is Salah's on 200 grand a week. He wants roughly 350 grand a week. That's 150 grand difference. Well, who earns 150 grand? James Milner does. So, once you take him out of the equation and send him on his merry way to wherever it is he's going to go, there's that money freed up. The wage bill doesn't go up. The money just moves across. You're not breaking your salary structure. You're raising your salary ceiling, which means that you can sell it to future players of, look, you join us, 
You come in at 120 grand, you do really well. In two years, you'll get a big new contract up to 200 grand a week. You do really well there. Then the sky is the fucking limit. There is no cap on what you can earn at this club, but it is on you to earn it. And that's the type of thing that drives players. That's the type of culture we want at our club, where players are out demanding that they get given the contract based on what they're doing, not based on tantrums or lies about where other clubs might have interest and not playing it out in the media, based on what they do on the pitch. And Salah is going to get that deal. Yeah, he's going to get it. There's no doubt. Um, But at the end of the day, I think nobody needs to panic. I think it's very simple. I don't think Mo, I think Mo knows as well that with Klopp is where he's found his best role, the team playing for him, around him, with him. I don't think Mo going anywhere else will be as good as he is here. I'll be honest with you. That's my, my view. I think he's, he's found the perfect club and the perfect moment. And when you're about to hit 30 years old, Mm. surely, and your best period in your life. And I think Dave, you even said he's got years ahead in his peak. Why wouldn't you want it at the place where you've been your best? Why wouldn't you want it where the fans love you? Why wouldn't you want it where everyone in the team is geared to play with you or knows how you're going to play? All those players, Trent is going to be here the whole time. You know, there's going to be new midfielders. Elliot's coming through. Um, you know, VVD, the other midfielders, the, like you, a defenders. You know the, you're going to have a world-class team moving forward. You know... Ali's there long-term, Virgil's there long-term, Trent will always be there, Robble's there long-term, Kanate's there long-term, you're going to have Fab long-term, Thiago for a couple of years. You've got this new guy coming on the other side who is going to take a massive burden off you because you're no longer going to have to pick the ball up and carry it 60 yards and then try and score. He'll do that for you, and he's more than happy to try and find you for you to score the goals. Yeah, more tap-ins for Mo, please. <laughs> that's the thing. And, like, you look around, and, like, let's be really honest, right? How many clubs in Europe are on our level right now? Man City, maybe Bayern, maybe Real Madrid, maybe PSG, purely because of the money. Well, PSG don't have a good enough manager, and the squad is an absolute travesty. Like, to have spent that kind of money and ended up with that squad, everybody should be sacked. Dave, should I be honest? I think only Bayern Munich are a team. Are On a our team level. Like Liverpool. A team, though. Like, as in, you you go there, you, you're a part of a team. You're not, like, you're not part of a club that's just going to be trying to sell the... When Mbappe goes to Madrid, it's all about Mbappe. Yeah, that's, you know it, I mean? that's exactly it. So you it, take Bayern off the table. But, yeah. Bayern <laughs> is, a cl- is a place where you see that if it's run right and they, they build a proper squad and a team together and that's yeah. why they go far. But and that's what Liverpool at, do. And but as Ali's just the said, there's rumours now that Bayern are going to have to start selling some players because you look, if you, I don't know if anyone watched that incredible Bayern documentary that's on uh, Amazon, but they've been struggling for cash for a couple of years. They didn't replace Thiago. They can't find a quality backup for Lewandowski. They may have to replace Lewandowski because his contract is up the same summer as Mo and he's not showing any signs of signing a new one because he wants mega money, and rightly so. And The guy scores 40 goals a season. Lewandowski should get his money. But they've also given big contracts out to Goretzka, to Sané, 
to Coleman. And now they're going to have to start selling a couple of players to try and fund some new blood. But not just that. You go to Bayern. Lewandowski, if he's there, is still going to be the focal point of the team. You know, PSG will be Neymar's team. And Neymar only plays 25 games a season. So when he's not there, who's carrying the load? And if, if he went there in the summer, well, Messi's still there and Neymar. So your third fiddle behind them, and that's how it will be. Go to Bayern, your second fiddle behind uh, Lewandowski. You're also not German, and you're not coming in as a young player the way Thiago did. So the likelihood of them falling in love with you in your, in your 30s and that is very unlikely. You won't get the adoration you get at Liverpool. Real Madrid will be all about Mbappe, all about Haaland, and they're going to be a horribly unbalanced team because the defence is going to be a train wreck. Yeah. And then you've got Man City, who are the most soulless, horrible bunch of fuckers in the world. And the thing is, anywhere you go, other than maybe you could argue City, you're going to a worse manager. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not walking into the culture that you have in that Liverpool dressing room. And you're not having those pillars Trent, Ali, Virgil, Fabinho, Diaz, Robbo, etc., 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 around you. So you're not going to have Sadio Mane there to have you that never know. You never competition know. Bellingham with you. coming soon. Who knows? That's it. The point is that anything can happen now that if this season goes as well as we all expect and or even gets anywhere close to, even if Liverpool got to the final and came second, just say, just say, it's still from a, from a funding point of view, from a business point Massive. of view. Massive massive so the point for Liverpool is to keep going the whole way in everything whether you if you win everything great even if you don't but if you get far in those two competitions or as high as possible you are going to rake in cash to be able to really push in the summer to replace some of the aging players in the squad didn't we make more money from TV revenue the season we finished second than than City did that same season when they finished first yeah yeah we were live more I think we did yeah yeah you do it happens I think I think we'd made more because we played more. So, like, that's the thing. You're, you're at a club who are right now at an apex. And unlike other clubs who can and are at the same level or, or could get to that level, there isn't really an end in sight. And the thing is, like, if Mo signs on to stay long term, there's got to be a moment where Jurgen Klopp will sit down and have a look at things and think, why would I walk away from this? How can I walk away from this? Look at what I've built. This is my team, my club that I have built. And the same goes for Klopp. Where else is he going to go? Other than maybe back to Dortmund. But where else would he go where the fan base as a whole, not in any way, there's no fractures. And if there is, they're idiots. But from what I've seen, every single Liverpool fan is devoted to Jurgen Klopp. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to get that elsewhere. You go to Real Madrid and lose to Hetafe on a fucking Tuesday night in November, they're waving the white towels and demanding that you go. No, I, can, like, I can see him staying, Dave. I really can. I, do you know what I mean? If, if Mo signs on, on and the owners are willing to put their hand in their pocket just that smidgen more, and that's all we're asking, not asking it, for city for level Klopp. of funding. They'll do it for Klopp. No doubt. They'll that's it. it. Like, why would he leave? Why? Where would he go? And, like, Dell has said it there, and I think that's the only job he'll take after us, is the German national team job. But that job's not becoming available until probably 2026. Yep. Jurgen Klopp's not going to sit at home for two years. His wife would kick him out the house. 
Can you yeah. imagine him fucking walking around screaming at the kettle to boil a bit quicker, pumping his fist when the microwave goes because his fucking food is heated? He'd be a nightmare to live with if he didn't have, if he didn't have a job to go to. He'd be an absolute t- terror around the house. So- I think the way he's going and the way that he manages and everything, I think there's... I think his his link with the club just grows stronger with the fans yeah. grow stronger and I think if he keeps and now that you know this year he's doing a lot more sports science stuff in terms of the rotation policy now that the players are getting fit it's the first time where he's really got the squad in it to but he's also to, guys to he's it. got everybody in the background is they're all his happy. people they're all happy. everybody Everybody's at happy. the club now in an important position bar obviously the you know the the front office people yeah 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 Everybody at a footballing level is a Jurgen Klopp appointee. That's somebody he has been involved in the process of bringing into the club. He's basically built family. He's built family. That's it. He has. You can see the way they were celebrating after that game. Not just the players, but the coaching. So Pep and Linders lepping around the place. Peter Crowd's just looking like the happiest man in the world. I've never seen that guy smile. It was a fucking terrifying thing. But there was a smile. Everybody is so bought into this. How could you leave? Seriously, how could you walk out on this? The the move here for FSG is in the summer you go to them and you say, look, 2026. Give us till 2026. Then you're a decade at the club. We'll pay you 20 million a year because God knows he's worth it. We'll give you a little extra money to spend as and when you need it, but Give us two more years. That's all we need is two more years. And then if you want to go and take that German manager's job, we will happily allow that as long as you on your way out the door send Hansi Flick our way because he's the <laughs> one we want to replace you. But like I said, it's it's Hansi Flick is the perfect guy to replace him because the German national job is where Hansi Flick is now. He's not. He only took the job last year. So he's yeah, not yeah, leaving. Yeah. He's not leaving by 2024. No, he'll get. Uh, he, he'll, get he won't he'll get two World Cups in. I think definitely. Exactly. He, he he'll get a full a full two cycles yeah. of World Cup. So he's got this cycle and the next cycle. That'll probably be enough for him. Klopp goes and replaces him. Hansi comes and replaces Klopp, and I we can't chug see along. A manager like Hansi staying at the um, at the national too long because no. of what he's done at Bayern. He'll, want, he'll get that itch day-to-day itch again. He will. And look, he would still be at Bayern if it wasn't for Hassan Salahamazic. Mm. Like, there was a big falling out between the two of them because he wouldn't play some of Salahamazic's favourites. Ham, ham sandwiches? Ham sandwich. <laughs> Hassan ham sandwich. He's a fucking bang average player, by the way. Um, no, he was a great player, to be fair. But he, he, he would still be at Bayern if it wasn't for the falling out with, with Brazo. So... You know, he, he will want to come back to club football. He won't go anywhere else in Germany because where do you go after Bayern? Like anything else is a big step down. And we're the obvious one because he'd be coming in to a culture that's already built around. And yeah, I know he's 57 now. I don't care. Like he's 57, but Hansi Flick is a really young 57 because he's only been a manager of the last three years. He was an assistant for over a decade before that, he hasn't had the stress stress and pressure that a Klopp or a long-term manager like Mourinho's had. 
he's still an infant in terms of managerial experience because everything that came before the German national team was 15 years ago. So he's had a nice long break as an assistant manager at the national team level, which is basically a part-time job anyway. And now it he's is. doing the... It, you know, is. it like, really is. It's not... But it's I, not I do. I think, I think Klopp will... I think once Mo gets signed, I think Klopp will re-sign. I do. I know Graham Kelly and others have said they don't think it will happen. But there has to be a moment where he just sits back and just has a look at what he's built here in terms of on the field and off the field. And look at his life. Look at the life he's been able to build here. I guarantee you, Jurgen Klopp goes, I don't know where he goes to eat in the city, but he walks into a restaurant. Do you really think that someone's placing a check on the table at the end of the night and saying, oh, by the way, you owe us that? Not a fucking word about it. That check is taken is taking care of, Mister Klopp. Absolutely right. I, Do you know what I mean? Like our our, our hour is up, Dave. Our yeah, hour is uh, up. It right before by. we go, before we go, uh, do just want to obviously point out that your jinx is still intact. Uh, if not for you, Thiago doesn't get hurt. And like you said, you weren't long in the stadium when the news came out that he was hurt. So clearly, he got hurt when you walked to, to in. To be honest, Dave, if Thiago didn't get injured, we wouldn't have got the Elliot stuff. We wouldn't have got the Nabby stuff. We were, but we'd have it won was a good story in the end. We'd have won four 0 <laughs> You think Thiago I needed be, that extra Thiago hour taken back. off my life in, in not two to, weeks? Thiago not will be back in He'll be back in two weeks, but you you jinxed him. You almost called. So if it wasn't for Virgin and all the boys having big old balls and Kepa having not a testicle to his name. See, we... you haven't listened to the pod. I did my I did my jinx for every penalty. I did my superstition for every penalty that we scored. And it worked that I do at home when we're playing. So you got to listen because literally I made those 11 go in. They what wouldn't have gone stop? in. Without me. Say? Oh, yeah, so it can happen if I'm the there. The keeper was lying on the ground. I could have scored them. You could have scored them. Other than the Virgil one and the Fabinho one, anyone could have scored them. Keeper lying on the ground. Looking like a skeleton. Get down. Not at all. You are still a jinx. The jinx is in place. You're 4-4 four and four in finals. It's not exactly a fucking stellar record. You're a, a, you're a 500 manager. Listen, that's not that's not that's acceptable, literally guys. Liverpool's record in the last ten years. Every fan's a jinx, then, mate. You said it, not me. You said it. You said it. Clip that. I want that on Twitter. Every tomorrow. fan's a jinx if I'm because normally it's me. Normally it's me who gets something controversial put out on one of the the graphics. And I get some fucking random fella with two followers, been on Twitter eight years. Oh, he's a twat. Like, you've got two followers, mate. Shut up. From doubters to jinxes? I do like that call from KO99. I do like that. Clock back at Mines. I would love to see him manage the national team, do a four-year cycle, get a Euros and a World Cup, and in 2020 go back to Mines. Just kick back, do his thing there, rename the club Jurgen Klopp FC if he fucking wants to, why not? But I, I'd love to see him go back and finish it off there. But yeah, I I think I think all things considered, a, a great win. It's brilliant to get silverware early in the season. It is. And and hopefully that sets us up and the mentality of the players. How many of them come out and said, one down, 
one of four, whatever it was, wow. three more to go. Like those boys are are locked in on going for everything this year. Yeah, man. And that That's should so be the mentality. I've said this to you before. A down season for us, the new standard we want to get to is that a down season for us is winning the domestic cup. Yeah. Because that's what Fergie set a standard as. United never went two years without winning something. Yeah. Never. I agree. I agree, mate. It's I, I think this is a, a really positive start um to the to this to this end of the season. So it's the mm. the beginning of the end, shall we say, of the season and now the run in comes. This is the this is the most exciting time. Of the season coming it up, is. the quarters, the semis of every competition. Every competition we get. I remember in two thousand one when we were getting to multiple. Yeah. How amazing was that? And imagine being in a title race at the same fucking time. The levels go. That's the thing. And that year oh, we were going for fourth, if you remember. Third, so we were on four. Third. We were on four fronts that year. Then. It was only three then, wasn't it? Top three. No, we got yeah. Champions League that year. Yeah, I think only top three qualified. Oh, we finished year, third. We did. Yeah, we finished yeah, third. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. still, like we were competing on four on four fronts, yeah. And correct. you know, we're going to looking to do that again. One down, Norwich tomorrow night. We beat them. Go and beat West Ham the weekend. Keep the pressure on City. They look like they're having a little bit of a wobble. They're getting as much referee help as they can, but they're wobbling. Go and beat Inter next week. Get yourself into the next round of the Champions League, the next round of the FA Cup. Focus in on the league for a little while. Keep that pace up. And who knows? Like, who fucking knows? But all I want to hear is that come August of next year, Liverpool are starting the 22-23 season as the reigning defending champions of England, Europe, the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, heading into a European Super Cup. Salah signed for four more years and has eyes focused dead laser sharp on that record of Ian Rush, because it's fucking doable as well. Yeah, it's doable. I, I, I really enjoyed that part. It got me excited. I also think um, if that happens, the unbearable t-shirts are going to be. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So if 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 we it. win, if we listen, if we win at all, that's it's over. Like, <laughs> hands are fucked. Just burn Twitter to the ground. It's over. Forget about it. There's no, we're going to be absolutely unbearable if we win it all there will be no corner of the interweb on which a manchester they'll be on fucking tumblr trying to talk about football and we'll be in there telling them that they're wrong that the mighty reds have won it all we'll get that and we'll get that we'll bring back what was that thing vine we'll bring that back for the city fans they can do little was it 14 seconds or something you were allowed to i don't know who cares the only good thing that ever came out of Tumblr was um, was the Andy Tate and and Tancredi yeah. Palmieri memes that that, that uh, Christian used to do. That was it. That was the only good thing about that. But we win it all. Salah signs the deal, and just on the eve of next season, Melissa Reddy or or Paul Joyce, Jurgen Klopp has agreed a contract extension with Liverpool. The German manager will be staying until 2026. And then we just go fucking bananas for a couple of years. No, and then his first act is to sign Jude Bellingham. <laughs> oh, Vine. Vine was the one. Yeah, can you imagine? Liverpool have agreed a deal to sign Jude Bellingham next summer. We'll let you have a year without him, but he's coming next year. <laughs> yeah. Right, guys, I have to go now. But Dave, thank you so much uh, for that and the entertainment of the jinx on um, on on 
Sunday. It was that's... a lot of fun. Having back and Excuse forth. And me. Then also the that is that is very serious reporting is what that is. That is investigative journalism. You can go back to Eddie now, okay? <laughs> oh, I have the... news. Oh, don't no, you worry. No, not I'm working on a story. I'm wor- it's not ready. Okay. I'm still Fine. cooking it, but there's a story coming about young Gibbs and young Hopcroft. Don't you worry, son. I have a, I have that one covered. Right, I have to jump off, but um, we'll 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 get back together again later in the week if we got time, Dave. Um, because obviously there's no, uh, it's an FA Cup game this week, isn't it? So we yeah. can we can try and um, we can try and jump on another one later in the week, Dave, if we got time. Because yeah, yeah, there's a lot we didn't cover. There's a lot we didn't cover, and we'll do another hour. So we can talk celebration videos and all those bits and pieces a little later in the week if you want. And uh, there'll be um, oh, there'll be so much more that drops out anyway. Inside Anfield, uh, inside Wembley was superb. You've got to watch it, guys. Um, that is something special. But yeah, okay. We'll um, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, Dave. Thanks to all the subscribers. And now, if you're listening um, on the free side too, thank you so much. We appreciate your support. And it's so good to be winning a trophy and celebrating something together with fans and friends alike. Let's hope there's three more. And <clears throat> maybe my voice will improve for the, for the next pod as well. This is See the best you you've ever sounded. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.